Hello, ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the Stadium Experience with the host, Jake Elms, the show. We talk about the latest and greatest happenings in the world of sports right here on 90.7 WXIN. I'm alone here today, but at 4.30, as usual, it'll be time to do your job with Job Gudrid of RealSports101.com. And we have a decent amount to talk about today. A lot of NBA stuff going on today. Kawhi Leonard, Marcus Smart, the MLB All-Star Game last night. I got some thoughts I want to give you guys on that. A few straight Patriots things going on. I want to touch on those if we get a chance. And if you want to talk about any of these things or anything else I'm missing that you want to hear me talk about, do not be afraid to call in at 401-456-9946 or at 401-456-8787. Or if you want to see my pretty face, go on Facebook, go to the official Stadium Experience Facebook page and watch the Mike Kane Memorial live stream. Drop a comment. Let me know what you want me to talk about once again. And we'll see if we can make it happen. Anyway, though, with all that out of the way, you are listening to the Stadium Experience with Jake Elmsley on 90.7 WXIN. And we're going to dive right in. And in what is usually, in what I thought, and what is typically the slowest sports week of the year, really, the MLB All Star break. NBA free agency is usually dead by now. NHL free agency is usually dead by now. Not a lot usually going on in the MLB trade deadline, but maybe something or another. But that's not a ton to hold us over. NFL training camps have not started, so there should be nothing going on in that sphere. So yeah, usually this week, maybe next week, but some training camps start. This is usually the dead zone for sports. And the World Cup kind of boosts that, but that's only once every four years. And even that, then there's not a whole lot to get from that. So, yeah, unless you're a big, big New England Revolution fan, which I don't think anybody thinks I am. Or I don't think anybody's under the impression that I am. Not a lot going on usually. And I was considering just not doing the show today. Because, well, I didn't have anything to talk about. Besides all-star game reactions. But within the last, really since I woke up this morning. Decent amount of stuff happening today. And interesting stuff. Stuff I stuff I want to talk about. So, oh, aren't all of you in luck? So, the big news of the day. And the big news that started my day. The first thing I read this morning. I, I got a text from Jackson Reaper, friend of the show, saying the Raptors are so effing dumb. The Spurs have traded Kawhi Leonard to the Raptors alongside Danny Green for DeMar DeRozan, Jacob Bolitel. And a protected 20 in a lottery, and then some protected, we'll call it 2019 first round pick. And this at least, I don't, this does not bring an end 
to the Odyssey of Kawhi Leonard, but this certainly turns a page to the next book in the Odyssey of Kawhi Leonard. And there's a lot here because this is a trade with two all-stars for one thing, two all-star caliber players, two all NBA caliber players, really depending on what you think about tomorrow, but two players who have made all NBA teams just got swapped. And I really, really like this trade from the Raptors' perspective. And I've been in Facebook fight, Facebook fight, Facebook fight about this all day. Because that's what I do. I work. I fight on Facebook about sports. But for the Raptors, who have had the stink of losing on them, for, really forever, for their entire franchise's history. But, you know, this, specifically this iteration of the Raptors, the Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan, you know, I, I guess now Serge Baca Raptors, you know, they've, they've had this as much success as they've had. They've had, I mean, obviously they've had, I mean, they've made the playoffs. They've been one of the top three seasons in the East last few years, whatever it's been like, they've been more like, I'm not saying, you know, they're not the Kings. When I say scent of losing, though, they've been a team that can't get over the hump. And that hump specifically has been LeBron James. If we're being fair, and they've been swept by the rap by the Raptors, by the Cavs the last two years in the second round, and they were beaten by them in the Eastern Conference Finals three years ago, which was their plateau. And they haven't they haven't been a team that's been able to do it in the playoffs. They've been able to win a ton of regular season games. They won they won the first seed in the East this year, as I'm sure you all know. But they've been a team that's been able to do it in the playoffs. And they've been in that, and they were in that position that I think is the most dreaded thing you can be in the NBA is of being a pretty good to good team that's maxed out. You know, your Wizards, your Trailblazers, your... I can't, these teams that, you know, they have great, they have all-star caliber players. They're a good team. They're a consistent playoff team, but, you know, most, you know, they're good players. They're probably beyond the age where they're going to make marked improvements. You know, they're out of being young guys with upside. They're developed players. And they've, you know, they probably don't have much cap room that they've made because they've spent it all getting this team together and they're, they're stuck. Now it's felt like the Raptors are more talented than this team. I mean, last season, I, I kept trump, I kept trumping, you know, trumpeting the horn that the Raptors are better than the Celtics two years ago, and I still probably believe that. But nevertheless, being that team that you're locked, you know, with that team that you're locked into, that's not getting over the hump, that's one of the hardest positions to be in in the NBA. I think that's probably the worst position to be in in the NBA, because yeah, you know, you could you could suck 
and be the Kings or be the Magic or be the Suns. But on the other hand, those teams have flexibility at least. Those teams could build something. Those guys still have those guys developing that could be the type of star you need to win a finals. Which is a lot, which the caliber player you need to win a championship must much higher than the caliber player in the NBA you need to hover around a championship. Be a second round team. And that's what these are, these second round teams. It's hard because for a lot of reasons, one, you don't have the flexibility. So it's hard to improve those sorts of teams. Like the Wizards, they have to go out. They have all their cap tied into their players. And mind you, Porter and Beal, they're a little younger. So maybe, you know, they could take another step. But I don't know. It gets less and less likely every year. And I really like Bradley Beal, by the way. But, yeah, they have to go sign Dwight Howard because they don't have anything. Like those teams don't – and they're doing so well every year. So their draft picks are not high enough to bring in anybody who would pr- – you know, bringing anybody with a real chance to develop into a a real player. So that's hard. So it's hard to improve those types of teams. But at the same time, you see organizations, it's also hard to radically change a team like that. It's hard to bring yourself to radically change a team like that because that usually requires, to some degree or another, blowing up some of that team. And... That's a hard thing to do. That's a hard thing to bring yourself to do. I'm not saying it's because you can always find guys to trade, but I'm saying it's a hard thing to bring yourself to do. It's a hard thing for some of these organizations to go, we have had success. We're a, play- we're a perpetual playoff team. Let's change it. Especially when you're a small market team, like the Trailblazers, like the Raptors. It's especially hard because it's a- harder for those teams to get to that point. So it is. It's... I understand to a degree why these teams don't just, you know, willy-nilly blow it up when they realize that they probably maxed out their talent. Because in a way, they might just be happy to be there. Or, you know, they're not just going to get the next big free agent. They're, LeBron's not just going to go there. So I also understand that. But, yeah, the Raptors have probably maxed out. Or at least they had maxed out that iteration of that team. That team, the Celtics have surpassed that team assuming health of course but the Celtics you know without Kyrie without Hayward took that same Cavs team that bad Cavs team that swept the Raptors and they took them to seven games with missing the two best players which is not the one thing that makes you go oh well yeah obviously you got to blow it up then but still the Celtics are a better are a far better team the 76ers are right there with them I feel like if you asked me a few days ago what my Eastern Conference power rankings were I'd I'd quibble over the 76ers by probably say the 76ers are a better team and also the 76ers have young up and coming players who are going to get better so yeah it's e- easy to say that the Raptors yeah they they were not making the finals this group was not making the finals unless, you know, once again, a catastrophic bug of injuries in the Eastern Conference, which with the 76ers and with the Celtics, I'm not saying it's completely out of the realm of possibility. It's well within the realm of possibility. But still, that's not something you want to bet on. So I commend them for 
being able to bring themselves. And once again, also, this Raptors team has that just that stink of losing on them, which might be part of that organization, but this group, it's felt like they've choked. It's felt like they've bottomed out in the playoffs. It's felt like they've played below their ability to whatever that may be. And clearly the organization agrees with me on that to one degree or the other. Because that's why they got rid of supposed coach of the year, Dwayne Casey. And people gave a lot of people didn't like that move. I thought that was a good move. Because at the time I went, well, the Raptors aren't getting any better personnel-wise. Probably. Unless they do something radical. Which they have, but unless they do something radical. But, so maybe getting rid of the coach will, and bring in, you know, some... Some sort, bring in some sort of culture change will be what maybe can get this team to the next level. Not being a champion, but at least maybe elevate this team. Because for all the credit Dwayne Casey's been getting, I, the coaches, they just, this, that team didn't win. And I went, oh, great, so they're going to bring in a new coach. And then they, you, you know. In this great sweeping culture change, they then hired their head assistant to be the head coach, which I laughed at. Which I don't really think I ever got a chance to talk about, but I, I scoffed at that. I still scoff at that. Scoff. You want this culture change, so you fire the, you know, the NBA coach of the year to then bring in your own coach. A guy from the inside. A guy who was underneath the guy you just fired. Like, I'm like, okay, that's pointless. What are you doing? What are you doing at that point? That's not going to change a thing. It'll be the same system. It's going to be the same culture. Great. Great move, Raptors. But the Raptors have now done something radical. They've done something that could possibly change that culture in that team. And it's far from a guarantee. There are a lot of ways where this can go wrong. But yes, the Raptors, in essence, trading DeMar DeRozan for Kawhi Leonard. I look at it as at least they're trying something. At least they're, sh they're not just going to sit on their hands and go, oh, well, it hasn't worked out the last three or four years, but let's just run it back again with these same guys and maybe it'll work. And may maybe it'll work this time. No, they've looked at it and like, okay, we can't just sit on our hands. We have to do something bold. And yeah, they took probably their second best player. Maybe their best player in DeMar DeRozan, but I, I like Lowry more. I think most people would, but. And they traded him for Kawhi Leonard, which obviously, A, for him not playing all last year, it's a gamble, but. When they've both been playing, Kawhi Leonard is in a different tier of players than DeMar DeRozan. At his best. Kawhi Leonard, at his best, is a top five player in the league. I don't know what DeMar DeRozan is, but I don't put him in my top ten. I probably don't put him in my top fifteen. So, they've, it's, it's a risk. They've gotten this guy now who has had all the problems in the world last year with not playing. I think he's healthy. I don't think it's a health reason, by the way. I, I, I will argue with anybody who thinks that 
I don't think Kawhi was actually hurt last year, so it's not a health concern. You're not worried that he's not going to be the same player, at least from a physical standpoint. But they've now gone and they've taken this risk to bring in this guy to shake it up. And I don't know. Even if the Raptors have Kawhi at their best, I still think they don't beat the Celtics. I don't think most, I think most people would agree with that. But once again, at least they did something to improve dramatically, potentially, which is a hard thing to do when you're a team in the type of position that the Raptors are in. And this could easily blow up in their face. I think Kawhi is going to play. I don't think Kawhi is going to sit out the whole year, even if he hates it there, which it's saying that he does that he never that he didn't want to go to Toronto, that he's not happy with this trade. There are reports out there saying that, and I'll believe them. But I don't think Kawhi is going to play because I think that if he doesn't play two years in a row, his value's gone. Then he's probably not getting that max contract he wants, et cetera, et cetera. So I think Kawhi will play. Do I think he'll resign? I don't know. Right now, I don't think he'd resign, but Sam Presti with the Thunder took the risk to trade for Paul George. When everybody and their mother, including me, went, well, why would you do that? He's going to the Lakers. What are you doing? But... He took a risk, and they brought the player in. I don't know how it's going to work, but they were able to resign the player. But nobody thought they would. We can argue over whether or not that's a good idea for them, but they were able to get the all-star player in and keep him. And this isn't the same, because, you know, Kawhi's been much more of a malcontent the last year. Kawhi's been more vocal about not wanting to go to Toronto than Paul George was about OKC. He at least paid them good lip service, which I thought it was just lip service most of the year, but... In the end, he actually did wind up resigning there. So, probably more genuine than I was giving it credit for. But still, they're taking this risk on the guy who's a one-year player. And frankly, I think it's a move for them. Because people are saying, well, it's a big risk for them. And I don't really think it is that much of a risk for them. When you actually look at what they would could potentially lose. They're saying, well, Kawhi leaves and then they're, you know, they're an eighth seed. Is something that Jackson Reaper said to me today. And yeah, probably. Yeah, you're probably right. They then they're probably an eighth seed. They probably have a hard time contending in the East if it's just Kyle Lowry. But in saying that, with DeMar DeRozan, they're three seed? What's that worth? Really, what is that worth? That's not worth a lot. Making the second round versus losing in the first, that's not worth much. At least in my book, that's not winning a championship. They're not blowing up a championship team. They're blowing up a team that's maxed out. So, and Kawhi at least gives them a chance to be a better team. In the short term, maybe the long term, if he likes it there. At least they're giving themselves a chance to be better. Instead of resting on their hands, waiting for these guys to age, and never winning a damn thing. Because this, this, that core was never winning a thing. So, at least they're doing something to try and get better. And they're bringing in a guy who's won. They're at least bringing in a guy who doesn't have the stink of losing on him. They're bringing in a guy who, A, is a better player than DeMar DeRozan, at his best. And 
has actually won a finals MVP. So maybe that makes that, that stinky Raptor losing smell a little different. And... Yeah, I, just, I like this move for the Raptors. I think it's bold. I think it has a chance to pay dividends for them. And I think in the end, what the worst case scenario gives them... And by the way, they also... Even if he leaves, they at least have a bunch of cap space now. Which is a commodity. Maybe they can bring in another guy. I don't know if they can. I'm doubtful, but maybe. But they... Yeah, they're... They're giving up their comfy chance to be the third best team in the East every year for the next few years. That is what they're giving up. But what's that versus a chance to maybe, maybe, maybe make a finals? Maybe. I, I still, they're still not better than the Celtics, but I don't know. Maybe. They, they're giving themselves a chance to maybe have the best player in the conference. Kawhi at his best is probably the best player in the East. Maybe you can argue that if Giannis takes another step, maybe he's the best player in the East. But... As of now, Kawhi at his best would be the best player in the East. Be better than Kyrie. Be better than Embiid. He'd be the best singular player in the East. And sometimes that's what these series comes down to. So the Raptors are at least doing something that a lot of teams in their position can't do or are afraid to do. And they've given themselves a chance to be a better more competitive team. And who knows? Maybe Kawhi falls in love with Toronto. Maybe he hangs out with Drake once, gets enamored, wants to resign with that team. Probably not. It's the Raptors. It won't work either way, but at least they're trying. So with that, we are going to take a quick break here. When we come back, it'll be time to do your job with Job Gudrid of Real Sports 101.com. If you want to weigh in any of these things, do not be afraid to call in at 401-456-8787 or go on Facebook. Go to the official Stadium Experience Facebook page and watch the Mike Kane Memorial live stream of the show. Drop me a comment there. That's another great way to watch. And with that, I'll see you after these messages. Plant a tree for your tomorrow. Do you know which tree Andy Jackson rested under on his way to the Battle of New Orleans? Which tree Abraham Lincoln used to cross a river? And what tree William Penn used as a landmark for his map? Taste the breeze, it's life inside you. Make a promise to the earth. There's an easy way to find out. Go to the National Arbor Day Foundation's website, arborday.org, for whatever you need to know about trees. At ArborDay.org, you'll find out what trees are right for planting where you live and that the oak is the people's choice for America's national tree. It was a Sunnybrook oak which Andy Jackson rested under on his way to the Battle of New Orleans. You'll have to go to ArborDay.org for the other answers. Plant a tree today for all the world to share. That's ArborDay.org. Okay, fellas, thanks for checking out our membership meeting for the unstoppable IOTA Gamma Kappa fraternity. Candidates will be notified around mid-semester. Peace, peace. Have a good day. Yo, can you believe that white boy showed up? Who, Justin? Yeah. 
I mean, he seems pretty cool. He's doing a lot of work in the community. He gets decent grades. Oh, yeah, I played ball with him the other day. Old boy got a mean crossover. Now, see, that's what I'm talking about. White people think that just because they could rap or hoop or something, they could be one of us. Now, what would happen if one of us went across campus and tried to join one of their fraternities? <laughs> Tell you what, it'll be a cold day and you know where before I let a white boy into this frat. You feel me? Nah, Trey. I don't feel you. The first step in fighting racial prejudice is taking a stand. Imagine the power of one voice. Find your voice at freedomcenter.org. A message from the National Underground Railroad Freedom Center and the Ad Council. Hey parents, finding it hard to communicate with kids in today's world of ever-changing slang? Hi son. Excuse me? Introducing the Communicizer. Just strap non-toxic Communicizer to your mouth and go from boring old man speak. Oh, you know, I'm here if you want to talk. To 100% off the chain. Text me whatever, yo. It's that easy. Thanks to Communicizer, I'm relevant to my kids again. I mean, I'll fly, boo. And now when you buy Communicizer, you get the auto-tune attachment free. Sounds so hip-hop, your kids will want to talk to you for hours. I used to have to walk three miles uphill to school every morning. Shorte. I love you, Dad. I love you too, son. Communicizer is not available in stores because it doesn't exist. But that's okay. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Because kids in foster care don't need perfection. They need you. For more information on how you can adopt, go to adoptuskids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt Us Kids, and the Ad Council. Last Company Smoke Shop and Vapor Lounge is Providence's premier smoke shop and vape supply store. Located at 10 Cedar Swamp Road, Smithfield, Rhode Island. Swing by when they open on November 2nd. Last Company Smoke Shop, best smoking supplies in all of our eye. Best local pizza, look no further than Big Tony's Pizzeria at 525 Eaton Street, Providence, featuring daily specials and free delivery until 4 a.m. Get a whole pie or just a slice at the home of the gangster rap. So call in at 401-490-0000 for a slice of the local favorite, Big Tony's. Often imitated, never duplicated. two jobs and my husband works too. My kids go to school and provide seven meals for those around you quietly struggling with hunger. Together, we're Feeding America. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. It's not the size that matters, it's the pleasure it provides. WXIN-FM. <laughs> Fly away, 
90.7 WXIN Stadium Experience. Jake Elmsley here. We're just talking. Not, sorry, talking a lot of Celtics stuff. Well, not a lot of Celtics stuff. Mainly Raptors talk here on the show, which is kind of a throwback to when I was uh, the biggest Raptors fan in the world a couple years ago. But. Sparkling. It is now. About 4.35 here on a Wednesday in July. So that seems like a perfect time to do your Job with Job Gudrid of Real Sports 101.com. And how are you doing, Job? Couldn't have it any better, Jake. How about yourself? I am okay. I, I don't know if you listened to the beginning of the show, but I was talking about how I was almost not going to do the show today because there's just nothing going on because this is the worst sports week of the year. And then I woke up this morning, and I've just been being bombarded by basketball news since then. And I am... It's been, a, it's been a good day for everyone in sports because there's no games to be played today. Yeah, seeing as how it's, it's... This is about as much news as we could be getting on the third week of July during the All-Star exactly. break. So, I want to move on to something else because I did touch on Raptors stuff first, which maybe some people would say isn't what I should be doing on a show around here, but I don't care. I do what I want. And... What's been coming out, and this has been coming from a couple of sources in the last couple of hours, Brian Robb of Boston Sports Journal, Journal Adrian Rojanowski, Dodd, whoever, yeah, Jordan Schultz, like people have been coming out basically with the fact that Marcus Smart and the Celtics and his agent, Happy Walters, have been working and have been nearing, and some people have had, you know, different, like, they're, they're almost done, like different degrees of they're close to working on a contract, but for the same conversation for all extent of purposes. They're very close. They're finalizing a contract that some people have. Marcus, it's all everybody has it as a four-year deal. Woj has it between 46 to 50 million. And Jordan Schultz has it between 48 to 52 million. So Marcus Smart is I'm a hearing pro- I'm hearing four for 48. Yes. So the most Mar- recent report. Sure. So Marcus Smart is approaching, is almost done with a contract that will be around 12 to 13 million a year for four years. And, Job, I remember earlier before the offseason, we sat down and we talked about how it's great how smart is a restricted free agent because the Celtics can literally, they can just set a line and go, if anybody offers him up to this, we'll match it. After that, done. Bye. But the Celtics have the power that they don't need to account for anything to do with smart. They don't need to account for him just deciding to take less money somewhere, et cetera, et cetera, feeling bad. They can just match it or not match it. And me, you, I think Jordan was there. I think Elif was there. We sat down. We had a we had a big cast that day. Yes, and we set what our lines were. And I said, mark down the tape for when he signs a deal. I didn't mark down the tape. I don't remember what our numbers were. I did. I did. Oh, well, perfect. What were would they? Would you like to hear them? I would love to hear you them. We were at $12 million a year Who was? for two years. Right. Elif was at $11 million a year for three years. And I was at $9 million a year for three years. Right, that sounds about higher. I remember I was a little higher than you because... I was the lowest of all of them. Yes, because this kind of $12 million range has been getting thrown around for a while. And I don't love that amount of money, but I, I remember now that you said I remember my, all my thoughts are coming back to me. I was on board with that. The length scared me, and the length still does scare me. And that's what's happened now. He's gotten $12 million for four years. And knee-jerk, I don't like this contract. 
because in a vacuum, I don't mind it. In a vacuum, I think it's a little bit of an overpay, but, you know, whatever. I said I'd be fine with that for two years. Maybe I can talk myself into the length because he's still young. It's not like he's going to be getting to his mid-30s during the deal. I just don't like committing those kind of mid-level contracts to a player for long-term, basically. But I don't like it within the reality of the NBA free agency market this offseason because it feels like the Celtics just negotiated against themselves. And well, I, you know, it's funny that you say that, Jake, because I couldn't, I, I couldn't agree with you more earlier today, and I'm, I'm hearing new arguments uh, that are coming out that I, I'm starting to buy into, and, and so I disagree with you now. So go ahead and make your argument, and I'm going to make a counter-argument. Yes, I mean, I'd love to hear that, but restricted free agency. The restricted free agent market this year has been abysmal. And really, the free agent market this year has been abysmal because not a lot of teams have cap space, a lot of free agency, a lot of players in free agency, something like close to 50% of the free agents that have signed contracts this offseason have signed one-year deals. Then like another you know, 10, 20% of them or something have signed two-year deals with a player option that are basically one-year deals because teams don't have a lot of cap space. A lot of teams didn't have any cap space, so players are just trying to bridge the gap till next year and then become free agents again. And that's why next year we're going to see a lot of players be free agents. But that has all. if unrestricted free agents have not been getting a lot of money, that's also trickled down to teams not really having the money to give to restricted free agents and then wait two days and hope that they get that guy. And you've seen some restricted free agents get money. You saw Aaron Gordon get money. You saw... Jabari Parker get money with another team, but Zach Levine, Zach, right, Zach Levine. That was the other. Wait, that was one I can't remember. So you've seen some teams. You've seen some, but still, the market's been pretty cool in that area. Clint Capella still doesn't have a deal. Don't remember who the other big one is, but it's another big one. Marcus Smart didn't have a deal up until now, and really, it seemed like Marcus Smart and his agent Happy Walters, which is an all-time agent name. I love that name. Which is an all-time all-time agent name. Happy Walters, it seemed like there wasn't much interest. It seemed like they were going around trying to get teams to show interest in them just to use against the Celtics. You had Smart coming out and saying he was, you know, hurt and disgusted and ah, da 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 whatever. And, like, you, it seemed like they, like, convinced the Nets to do, like, a photo op with them at the Summer League to show them negotiating. And I... Yeah, it seemed like there really wasn't a lot of interest in Marcus Smart around the league. So I went, and last week I talked about this after we spoke. I think this is perfect. The Celtics have played this perfectly. They can either slide in there and try to convince Smart to take a below-market deal for multiple years, something along the lines of what you talked about, $9, 8000000 million for a couple of years. But I thought, he's probably not going to take that. He's, prob- he's, he's probably not going to take it. He still probably thinks he can make more money if he waits. So the Celtics are probably going to get him on the qualifying offer. That's $6 million for one year, and I loved it. I was on board with that. I thought that was great. Then he hits for agency next year. Maybe they keep him. Maybe they don't, but they get him on the cheap for one more year. But now they've come in, and they've given him this kind of deal, which is close to the range of what they supposedly offered him last year. This is supposedly the type of deal he'd be worth in a more robust market, not quite in the market of 2014, where he would have gotten like $20 million, but... You know what? In a yeah, where Evan Turner got paid seventeen million exactly. dollars a season. But this feels like what he might get in a reasonable market. But this wasn't a reasonable market. This was a very dry market. So I don't really know 
I, I wonder what the Celtics are doing. And maybe there's an element of they're just trying to get in front of it and they know he'll get this kind of deal next year and they really want to be able to keep him. I don't know. I just feel like they've kind of gone in and overpaid him a little bit. Or at least well, over can I, can I pitch an idea? Sure. Go for it. So I'm reading multiple reports uh, all day today about you know this contract and what it means. Uh, so I went back and looked at some other free agent contracts that were supposedly bust uh, by the Boston Celtics. And then I read an interesting story by Woj today, Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN, that perhaps they're, they're paying Marcus Smart because if they pay him this amount of money, they can then go out and use a, make the money match for a you know, maximum cap player during the season if they make a trade or early in next offseason um, if we lose Kyrie Irving in free agency. This makes the money work. Um, and it's something that they've done in the past. They did it the year before they got Kevin Garnett. Um, with a you know a, num- a seventh man, uh, a rotation player on the bench. I don't remember his name. Who they gave five million dollars to after his market was somewhere in the in the one to two million dollar mm-hmm. veterans minimum range. It happens. It's a it's a tactic that Danny Ainge has used in the past in order to make money match on potential moves down the line later in the summer uh, or in the in during the season and you know. The dog days when trades were uh, being made for postseason pushes. So I think it's it's possible that that's what he's doing. Uh, we never really will know what Danny Ainge is thinking, but I think that there's multiple different ways to look at. It. And that's fair. That's I'm more favorite. in favor of this. I'm more in favor of this deal now than I was when I said nine million dollars um, three or four weeks ago on the phone. And. That's fair. The idea that his contract is something they can use for trades. And that was something I liked about him being an RFA this offseason was that they could use that as a chip to make money match. But you can make money work most of the time. I just... I, I've been on record as saying that I'm kind of against any like non-max contract that's above like 5 or $6 million when I'm building an NBA team. And I don't know why. I just feel like that's kind of the direction that the league's going in where you hoard all-stars and then and then have a bunch of guys on, like... Fill the remainder spots. Yeah, with, like, rookie rookie contracts and some low-level and, like, mid-level exceptions. And so on that ground, it is, like, a contract this long for $12 million I don't love. Now, if it's a trade chip, if he's trying to set it up so we can be another piece in, say, an Anthony Davis deal... Okay. Well, that's being misreported, um, is that they could get Anthony Davis. They actually can't, under the Rule 5 uh, regulations by the NBA, yeah, they get Anthony Davis. They couldn't get him uh, this offseason. They, 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 they couldn't get him this offseason because of the Rose Rule. I'm talking about down the line. Because if Kyrie signs an extension next year, or, well, signs a whole new contract next offseason, then the Rose Rule doesn't matter anymore because Kyrie's not signing under the Rose Rule anymore, and I don't think they'd get Anthony Davis this offseason. They're definitely not going to get Anthony Davis this offseason. But this would be more for, like, next next off, next summer they could. Next summer they'd be able to trade for Anthony Davis. Conceivably. But Possible, but is it really conceivable? Well, I still think that Ainge is trying to make that happen, so yes, I still think that that's in the back of Ainge's mind. Trying to keep assets in tow to trade for Anthony Davis if he ever becomes well, anyway, I, I know I know that Anthony Davis is not on the, you know, not something that we want to discuss today, so I'll let it go. 
But uh, I'm going to table that discussion for later in the season. Fine. But I, I don't, I'm not livid about this contract. I'm not, you know, not going to sit here and just, just piss and moan about it. But I, it feels like a little bit of an overpay. It feels... Well, here's the th- here's another thing I always I always kind of say you can oh you. I'm not I'm okay with overpaying on a contract if you don't over lengthen on a contract. I think over lengthening a contract that's what that's what gets you. That's what that's why I never will hit on a team for what they give out on a one year deal. Oh, I'm I'm firmly in that camp as well. I, I'd rather give more money for short term. Than long money, yeah, unless it's a guy um, you really want to lock up. Obviously, like if it's you know if it's a guy if it's Kyrie for five Jason years, Tatum I love. Or a Mookie Betts, uh, yeah. then I'll then I'll accept it. But I, t- typically, I agree with you. Yeah, exactly. I, so I just that's why I said twelve years, two billion. I'm happy with twelve years, four million. I I don't know. I don't think Marcus Smart's going to be a worse player at twenty seven. But ah, oh God, every contract like this you hand out that hurts your flexibility a little bit at least your cap flexibility and then you know you run the risk of what you know like see the hornets the hornets are stuck in cap purgatory because of that they've just handed out so many mid mid-level contracts to pretty good players that they can't do anything and their team is just full of like good role players and it's a mess. yeah no it's definitely a situation that you want to avoid as an nba gm or as an nba franchise in general um, I just look at this deal, and I'm more in favor, like I said, now than I was previously for a couple of reasons. And one of those reasons has to do with the Toronto Raptors. Uh, they got a lot better today, like you mentioned, adding uh, Danny Green and Kawhi Leonard or DeMar DeRozan. Uh, short term, I think that that makes them a contender in the East. Uh, it only gives them only the best because, player in the East. Only because they have not only the best player in the East, but they have the best player in the East on a contract year. Um, and we all know that players in the NBA, whatever they might say about wanting a team-friendly deal, et cetera, et cetera, they all really want that max money. And um, I think he'll be playing for it, even if he's not playing for Toronto or for the Raptors. He might be you know, absurdly selfish, but we've seen NBA teams like last year's Cleveland Cavaliers ride one superstar all the way to the finals, if not to a championship. And I feel like, they're a lot more dangerous now. The East is a lot more dangerous today than it was yesterday. Yeah. Uh, and not as dangerous as it could be if he went to, you know, Philadelphia. But now I feel like there's, you know, legitimately, you know, the Celtics are one. And then I feel like there's a legitimate one B and C argument with, with the next two teams being Philadelphia and Toronto. And I like having Marcus Smart's grit there as a defensive option mm-hmm. against you know, whether it be a Sarich from Philadelphia in a playoff matchup or whether it be a Kyle Lowry slash Kawhi Leonard switch off with Marcus Smart, he bothers those offensive players like most defenders don't. Sure. And I feel but, like over a seven-game series, that could make a difference. Right, and I agree with you. I agree with the value of Marcus Smart as a player, but my problem with the contract comes from they, w- they would have had him either way this year. Either way. Yes. They would have yes, had about would. half the money this 6.1. year. 6.1. Unless, you know, suddenly the Kings came in out of nowhere, which they said, which I'm starting to be convinced Marcus Smart's camp just lied was going to happen. Because I've had people tell me that there was never any Kings interest at all. But it, that's my, like, I'm not argue, I'm arguing what Marcus Smart's market value was. This offseason just they overpaid and right now I don't see what their reason to overpay was and you know what if 
in the middle of the year, they make some big trade, and Marcus Smart is how they make the salaries match. Oh, well, I'm an idiot. And I've really, and in my defense, I have, I have taken, I have just complete, I have stopped questioning Danny Ainge nearly as much as I did even a year ago, two years ago. Like, I, 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 I am, I am embracing it fully now, but I don't know, I just, ah. I just, I need more of a good reason than they might use a contract as a trade ship down the line. That's it. I just need something more to make Well, me... what if, what, what if I, you know, what, if, what about this, you know, Kyrie leaving to the next, next summer? Is that not reason enough to want to keep, Oh no. uh, you no. know, Marcus Smart as a second point guard, no. uh, you I... know, turns two guard if we have to play without Kyrie Irving next summer? No, I don't think Marcus Smart is a point guard. Like I've always said that I, I I I I barely consider Marcus Smart a point guard. Like I like I consider that like he's semantically he's a point guard. Like Terry Rozier is a point guard. I so not, I, just, I see Terry Rozier as a shooting guard just as much as a point guard because of the way this NBA is trending. Yeah, um, I mean we I can, wouldn't be surprised we to can, see our offense unfortunately run through Marcus Smart. We can quibble over that. I don't think I don't think that's gonna, I hope that's not the case. My God, I don't want Marcus Smart to be the ball handler of the future. My God, I hope that's not the case. I'd hope that's not the deal. I just, like I said, I, there's value in the player. The, the good player, he does things, and I was willing to pay him. I just, seems like now, after seeing the market, it's like, okay, what, like, what are you doing, Ainge? Why are you, you're only paying yourself. Or you're coming in, and you're outbidding yourself and if it's a matter of they wanted to keep Marcus Smart happy because he was upset about the contracts he was getting that's not I don't like that either my god like, I don't like well, that well I, I I don't I don't know if I agree with that um I like keeping Marcus Smart happy I like him on the defensive end well I just think he's going to play hard I think if you keep him in a contract year though you get him in another contract year I don't th- I don't think his play Goes down, and this was a rough year for Marcus Smart value-wise. He must understand that, or at least I hope his agents explain that to him. He did a lot to hurt his value this year. But, oh well, I mean, like I said, I... I, uh, Now, there is something else here that has been being banned around. It has something to do with the luxury tax. I'm reading this right now, and this is from Jordan Schultz. And the Celtics are currently at 115, 115 million in payroll. That's eight million shy of them being in the luxury tax. So I've heard some people throw around the idea that this has something to do with the luxury tax, which they don't want to get into if they can help it, at least this year, because it is the luxury tax in the NBA is on it increases the each year you're on it consecutively, right, Job? That's a part of it, correct? Yes, it does. Uh, yes. yes, I've been reading the same thing. So the Celtics, I have heard the argument, the Celtics are trying to stay under the luxury tax at least this year. So that way when they really have to start dishing out money to Kyrie, to Jalen Brown, to Tatum, and they are getting into luxury tax every year, at least they, you know, they bought themselves a year under the luxury tax. So they're not like the Thunder who are paying, I believe, the highest payroll in history this year. Is that... Like the, the, I believe the Thunder have to like with their luxury tax bill, they're paying the highest payroll in NBA history. If that's true, then that's crazy. Yes, um, but that, that that would make sense more and more. With how long they've been in the 
I mean, they were in yeah. the luxury tax a few years with Durant, correct? But either way, this is so, I don't. I mean, I, don't, I really don't care. I don't know why I asked that question. But this is something of a luxury tax-related play. So maybe that has a part to do with it. But nevertheless, Marcus Smart is here. And like I said, in a vacuum, I don't mind the contract. In a vacuum, I'm happy he's here. I just question if they were able – if they took the opportunity to get – good value on the market but you know what also another thing maybe just my head maybe this just makes Danny Ainge look better in the eyes of other free agents maybe that's a part of it maybe this helps Danny Ainge in negotiations with other players down the line he can look at them and say hey listen if I'm not gonna try to exploit the market to screw you guys whenever I can all right Terry Rozier okay Jalen Brown like other name name a free agent out there I, you know, Danny Ainge, he didn't go and try to screw his guy over because the market was down. He didn't kick him way down. He still gave him what's a fair deal. So, I don't know. Maybe that's something. I wouldn't do that. But, you know what? Maybe that's a part of it. Maybe it helps him get some more clout in negotiations. But, nevertheless, I'm not upset that Smart is here. Hello? Job. All right. Job has gone off the building for a minute, but that was all I really want to say about Marcus Smart. So with that, we will take a quick break. When we come back, hopefully we'll be able to reconnect with Job. because I have a couple more things I want to talk to him about, but we'll get to those. Anyway, though, you were listening to the Stadium Experience with Jake Elmsley on 90.7. WXN, when we come back, I got some baseball stuff I want to talk about, and we'll see you on the flippity flip. My name is Tom Thornton. And my name is Cindy Thornton. We've been married 38 years, we're retired, and this is how we live united. We play golf and we travel, but we also decided we were going to give to and volunteer with United Way at our community free health clinic. I do the nursing at the clinic. I work the front office, checking in patients, greeting them, making them feel comfortable. United Way is how we contribute, because we know our time and money are going to the right places, the places that need it most and implement it best. Judging by the thank yous we get at the clinic, I'd say we're doing the right thing with our retirement, too. We even get a few bless yous. It's incredible. We're Tom and Cindy Thornton. We volunteer at our community free health clinic, so we don't just wear the shirt. We live it. Give, advocate, volunteer, live united. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. I'm working two jobs and my husband works too. My kids go to school with your kids. I sit next to you at PTA meetings. We live right next door. We've been neighbors for years. You know my family and me pretty well, but here's one thing you don't know. I'm one out of every six Americans, and my family is struggling with hunger. Like you, we believe in this country. What's hard to believe is in the land of milk and honey, how many hardworking Americans have to choose between paying bills and feeding their families. This is a problem with a solution. Please visit feedingamerica.org today and find your local food bank for ways to help. Every dollar you donate helps provide seven meals for those around you quietly struggling with hunger. Together, we're feeding America. 
Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. So, Kristen, how was Esther's baby shower? Oh, great. Yeah. Everyone was there. Oh. Allison, Katie, Nancy, Karen, oh. who has gained a little weight, by the way. Stop it. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> oh, it's too bad you couldn't make it. How's little Sammy? Oh, he's fine. It was oh. just a little fever, but he's feeling better now. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Oh, you know it's a girl, right? Oh, wow. What's her name? Um, oh, I can't remember. It's one of those names. Excuse me? Oh, you know, one of those names. Shakita, Juanita, Jaquita. Why do black people like those kinds of names anyway? You'd think they'd know better. They just make it harder on themselves, you know what I mean? No, Kristen. I don't know what you mean. The first step in fighting racial prejudice is taking a stand. Imagine the power of one voice. Find your voice at freedomcenter.org. A message from the National Underground Railroad Freedom Center and the Ad Council. Herman Monster, the word enhancer, sick of phony mobsters, controlling the dance floor. I'm in them dark places, catch you when you start. Or that Rick, can't think of anything better to do? Join 90.7 WXIN. Get your own radio show and force people to listen to your music. Help promote events and shows, or be a voice in a commercial airline. All tastes and music are welcome at our meeting every Wednesday at 1 o'clock at Horace Mann 186. Or check us out at rickradio.org. Come play your music at your station. Today, you brushed your teeth. You skipped the floss. You combed your hair. You took the train. You did the crossword. You missed 22 across. You went to work. You had a meeting. You ate your lunch. You had another meeting. You wondered how is anyone supposed to get any work done around here with so many meetings. You left the office. You took the train. You ate your dinner. You brushed your teeth. You did all the things that one normally does the day before a brutal EF5 tornado rips through town, leaving 30,000 people without power. You never know when the day before is the day before. Prepare for tomorrow at ready.gov today. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. This holiday season, our friends at Ronzio's Pizza and Subs would like to remind our listeners to not text while driving. The National Safety Council reported last year alone there were over 1.6 million traffic accidents caused by texting while driving. Doesn't matter how old you are or how much driving experience you have, it's never safe. Ronzio's Pizzas and Subs reminds you stay alive, don't text and drive, for your safety and the rest of ours. This important reminder was from Ronzio's Pizza and Subs located at 35 Smithfield Road in North Providence. For more information or to order, you can visit them online at ronziopizzaprovidence.com. Wishing everyone a safe and happy holiday season. They're on the air because they care. You will never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. This is 90.7 WXIN.
90.7 WXIN Stadium Experience. Jake Elmsley here. Our aux cord is just so bad. I need to get this thing fixed. Anyway, though, we were just talking. Well, we're continuing this week with go Joe Blues. We're going to go back to him in one second. We're just talking the Marcus Smart situation here. But with that, I don't mind. We're going to continue on. By the way, if you want to weigh in on anything we've been talking about, anything we're going to be talking about, a lot of baseball stuff coming up here, do not be afraid to call in at 401-456-9946 and hop on the show with me. Or go on Facebook, go to the official Stadium Experience Facebook page to watch the Mike Kane Memorial live stream, where I live stream the show every single week. And you can watch all the archives there. Anyway, though, with that, we're going to continue talking to Job. And Job, what did you think of that All-Star game last night? Well, you know, Jake, usually I'm not a proponent of the All-Star game, at least not in the last three or four years. I think they're kind of boring. This one was exciting. Oh, yeah. No. Um, I was excited A through Z. The only thing I missed, I missed Chris Sale's first inning, um, unfortunately. But other than that, I watched the rest of the game all the way through. Hang on, Joby. I thought it was entertaining. Continue, sorry. Um, I thought it was entertaining. I thought we saw some really good performances, and some of what I saw you know, kind of scared me a little bit, looking forward to a, a postseason matchup with some of these guys. Yeah, and I haven't watched the All-Star game in years. I only watched it last night because I was at work, and it was on, and I was paying attention to it. But there was a lot of talk the last week about how the All-Star game is becoming kind of useless, or at least not really interesting to a lot of people. It doesn't count anymore, which I I liked it counting. I know I'm in a strong minority for that, but I don't want to get into that right this second. But it was a lot of All-Star game talk this week. And... The first half of the All-Star game, not great. There were three home runs, which was great, and then, what, like 20-something strikeouts? Like, through, like, the first five or six innings, and then the game just... Yeah, it was a lot of what baseball was becoming. It's power versus power. Uh, the first seven innings were, like, a three-run ball game. And then it just turned into a home-run derby. I mean, I was, on the, I was screening a phone call, and a guy was trying to tell me about seven home runs. Within... Two minutes, you had the eighth home run of the game, and then you had the ninth home run of the game, and it was great. I loved it. I thought it was going to be a home. I got into it. I that was the most invest. That that was one of the most exciting games of baseball period I've watched all year. Like that, that was good. That was the best. You know, the last four innings of that were the best version of the All Star game. Like I was up. No doubt. I was it reminded me a little bit of the Ichiro days. I was upset. When they scored a run, when it was just, when they had an RBI, like I was upset when I believe the AL team scored not off of a home run. I was, you know, it was really close to not happening. Uh, Mitch Mitch Moreland hit a single, and the uh, James Segura moved first and third. Who, by the way, uh, Mitch Moreland being there, fly. phenomenal, love it. <laughs> Mitch Moreland, the All Star, there, by the way, two for two. But, two for two, good all-star performance. Yes, but yeah, I mean that like that the last half of that was great. Now, mind you, I don't know how much good that does for the sport if a lot of people stopped watching after the first half. But hey, second half of the All-Star game, that's pretty good. That's pretty good stuff. Yeah, it was right entertaining there. baseball, no doubt. So you know, that's those are the kind of events I think baseball needs to have if it wants to maintain any sort of grip on relevance or even shockingly maybe try to become relevant. 
again. But yeah, that was exciting. I I will I will as much as I'm aligned baseball constantly, I will I will give them a golf clap. I will give them a golf clap for that. For that well, also. as a, as you know, and as many of the listeners know, you and I disagree when it comes to baseball um, and, and how much fun it is to watch. I found that this was the most entertaining all-star game in a while. Um, I thought it was something baseball needs, but I don't think baseball is going to fade. I think sports gambling legalization is going to help baseball. I think baseball is going in the other direction. I don't think I think it's becoming more popular. I think we've hit the all-time low. Um, I'd want to agree with you, but baseball hasn't taken the steps as a sport to not be like that. Baseball hasn't done the thing. Baseball could theoretically, but baseball hasn't done the things to captivate that. I don't knowing baseball. I don't think it's going to do anything to capitalize on the gambling. Because of I don't know what it'll be, but some kind of antiquated notion of gambling. I'm sure that- the reason the reason that I that I say this is because, uh, as you know, it's already legal to sports gamble uh, in Vegas, uh, but only in casinos, Atlantic City as well, um, and it's becoming legal in other places. Baseball is the easiest sport, and and you know, stop me if you think I'm wrong. It's the easiest sport to determine who's going to win the game, and the lines in baseball are one run. Who's going to win the game by more than one and a half runs? Very often, baseball games are decided by more than one and a half runs. So you can bet on the favorite and still make money the way that the gambling is set up currently. So I feel like the spread of gambling might help baseball become relevant again because people will see an opportunity to make money. See, I just don't know how, how much that audience would be. I don't know how engaged and how large of an audience just gamblers are going to be. Because most most gamblers are already gambling, be it legal or not. So I don't, I don't think that's going to bring the kind of audience that takes the sport from relevance. Unless you think gambling, unless you think baseball is going to destined to become like horse racing. Well, you know, I think horse racing would be a better alternative to it dying totally. Still, when you talk about a sport that used to be, anyway. I, Moving on. I don't trust baseball to take the steps right now in its current leadership to do the things it could do to be better. And the number one place to look to see that and see how baseball is failing to adapt, or not even failing to adapt, failing to do the things that used to make it successful, that it used to do, is look at Mike Trout. Job, how good is Mike Trout? He's the best baseball player we've seen in the last 40 years. And how many people? But can he's I, not a superstar. How many people can identify Mike Trout on the street right now? Anywhere, a anywhere, handful. even in Los one Angeles. One out of fifty. One out of fifty. And in Los Angeles, less than that everywhere else. How many people at the height of Jeter's popularity can identify Jeter? Who I've met by the one way. One out of three. Who I've one met out by of the way in a casino. One out of three. One out of three. How many people could? Identify Ken Griffey at the height of his popularity. One out of one out of four, I'd say. A quarter of people. One out of two. It's your row. One out of three. Exactly. And but That's even not then great. Even then you look at it, you go one out of three. How many people recognize Tom would recognize Tom Brady? More because he's I'd a bigger say, I'd say one out of one out of every two at the least. Sure, because he's a bigger star and he's an international brand, but still My point- 
you if know, I'm I just talking you, within the spectrum, if I'm just talking within the spectrum of what baseball itself is doing compared to what it did 20 years ago, not even comparing it to the NBA, not even comparing it to the NFL, just comparing it to the MLB of 10, 20 years ago. Is not doing it. And some people try to bring up, oh, well, baseball doesn't have as many good young stars as it used to. No, no, no. It does. Baseball probably has the same level of talent that it had 15, 20 years ago when it was at a Yeah, if you're going to tell me that, you know, stars like Mookie Betts, Mike Trout, aren't, and Mike Trout aren't as good as, you know, stars from when our parents were young, I, I think you're wrong. Or even when we were be- young. Like, that's what I'm talking about, Job. My God, you're talking about what ba- where baseball was 10 years ago. Oh, true. true. Especially I, here. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, even even in this market, I mean, you look at Mookie Betts and J.D. Martinez, sure, they're a little fun to watch, but if you wasn't adding six of them, you know, on the radio or in press conferences, you wouldn't be able to identify all the players on that team. If you lined if up... If you listen to the 2004 Red Sox, if you, you would li- know every single player's audio. Yeah, I know. So I'm saying if you lined up three players... On the Red Sox, and they, st- if you gave me Ben Intendi, JD Martinez, and I mean, I don't want to say Xander because there's an accent there, but I don't know, and Jackie Bradley, and said, here's audio of all of them. You know, Jackie Bradley Jr. might have an accent. I don't know. Jackie Bradley is, you know, probably the easiest one to identify. And even there, that's like you said, like 10 years ago, we would know everybody on the 2004 Red Sox. We knew where Mark Bellhorn went to dinner. Mark Bellhorn struck out 200 times. You know, it's it's a different world. It's you know, I think Boston in particular is different. So we see it more so than others. We become a football town, right? But and you talk about Mike Trout not being anybody, not being fa- Mike Trout isn't famous. I feel like Mike. I feel like you could say Mike Trout isn't famous, and he's one of the best baseball players in the last 30, 40 years. And he's in Los Angeles as well. It's not like he's playing in a nothing market. He's playing in a big, a big city like, with a lot of lights. I don't think of, I think Mike I Trout has trouble getting in the clubs, unless like he calls ahead. Like I w- I see that happening. I see Mike Trout going to clubs, not getting in, and saying no, 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 I'm Mike Trout, and they're like, I don't know who that is. See, I, I don't know if that's <laughs> I don't know if that's really unless Mike Trout is calling ahead and saying he's coming, and then they're like, who are you? Who's Mike Trout? Oh, look me up. Oh, okay, you can yeah, get me. Like, you get a I feel VIP. like it's more of a look me up than an instant recognition. But I still think that you know, baseball itself is not famous. This is individual fans. People it's are claiming that Mike Mike do. Trout's idea is fake because they don't know who he is. They don't know what he looks like. They're like, oh, oh, you're There's Mike. Nothing you can do to blame Mike Trout. Can you blame Mike Trout for not wanting to be a bigger star? Hey, he's kind of dull. But anyway, Mike Mike Trout gets his ID taken away. They look like, oh, yeah, you're Mike Trout. Okay, this is funny. And then take his idea away. He has to go to the DMV and get a new license because he's not famous. Mike Trout doesn't. Anyway, so, yeah, no, I, I don't know. But the All-Star game was fun. And, you know, good good on you, MLB. You're probably not going to capitalize on that momentum. But good, good All-Star game. I enjoyed it. The home run derby was meh. The home run derby was meh. You're right. I think the home run derby has lost a lot of its luster because none of the star-powered athletes want to play anymore. Now, mind you, did I want J.D. Martinez in it? No. But I would like other teams' good players to be in it. No, exactly. I feel like that's why I'm being a little hypocritical uh, when I talk about how I dislike the home run derby. But, yeah, I don't... 
Yeah, no, good job, MOB. And then now we get to resume this fun. And now with all this excitement around the Red Sox, they get to come back next week and we get a series against the Tigers. And then a another series that does not matter. And then following that, we get to watch the Orioles come to town. Or excuse me, they get to go there. And then following that, baby, oh, it heats up with the Twins. Like, see, like, I'm going to be out on baseball again within, like, a week. <laughs> like, a week and a half. I'm just going to be done with baseball again. Like, I'm kind of, like, back on right now. I'm going to be done with baseball in, like, a week and a half. So, like, all right, let's see. Oh, boy, 8-3 to three win over the Tigers. Yay. Oh, what are you saying? See, this is this is where you and I ha- have our differences. What are you in, saying? In, the Red Sox you know? only have three starters. Yay! <laughs> I'll still watch every game. I mean, I'll keep the up. Sports fan that I am. Um, some... I can't say that I'm excited with the way that baseball is trending. Um, you know, this season there are a lot of bad teams. I feel like we're becoming a lot more like the NBA uh, than we have in years past. But I'm excited for the second half, uh, starting August 2nd against the New York Yankees. So call me back on August 2nd, and that'll be the day that you, you know, I'll be all decked out in my Manny Ramirez jersey from back in the day, and I'll be excited. Unfortunately, I don't think until then we're going to see a lot of meaningful baseball. I mean, there's a series here and a series there that are meaningful. Um, You know, the Phillies are entertaining to watch because they're a good team. And we don't see them that often. They have some good pitchers. One of them was in the All-Star game last night. I think they're young and up and coming. We forget that this team, this market, you know, Philadelphia, it's a good sports city. We forget it because they've been in purgatory since 2010. But they went to back-to-back World Series in 09 and 010 um, and, and lost to the New York Yankees in one of those and, and won one. That city also missed out on Kawhi Leonard and Manny Machado within the span of a day. Yeah, no, they're definitely not, you know, the the up and coming city that's gonna, you know, be the next big sports city. On the other um, hand, Philly Philly's doing okay this year. I, I can't sit here. But Philly's having Philly's <laughs> having a good year this year. I think that'll be an entertaining series. I think that's gonna be the first litmus test that we have as to where this team can go without Eduardo Rodriguez potentially. And without getting another arm, because I don't think we're going to get anyone at the deadline who means anything. We might get some smaller pieces. Um, but I don't think that in this market we're going to see a lot of pieces move towards the Red Sox, unfortunately. Uh, I think what we what you see is what you get. And I'd like to see what this team can do against good talent. So that's the first series that's going to matter. But I think, you know, these upcoming series can't be discounted. You know, you need to win the games that you're supposed to win. Oh, I'll discount them. Uh, and I'd like to see where this team goes now that we have a little bit of adversity. You know, we're facing some adversity in the fact that we lost Eduardo Rodriguez, who's been arguably our best pitcher. You know, he's 10-2 and or 10-4 and uh, with a 3.2 ERA, and he's been consistent. Now, And so I'm a little bit worried. I'm not going to lie. Now, another thing that's happening, and last night, and this will be the last thing we talk about, but last night it started coming out that there was that uh, Machado to the Dodgers trade was basically done. Rosenthal reported it. Other guys reported it. You know, centered around, what's his face? You use Neil Diaz. 
one of their prospects. He's, he's good, apparently. You said he's good. Other people say he's good. I'll believe he's good. But uh, I actually went back and watched some tape of him last night. Well, uh, that's 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 after the All Star game. Not that you can see much from you know single A ball or you know whatever the the league is that he's in now. Apparently, um, I believe he's in High A or maybe he made it to the Double A at this uh, point. Bless your heart. The kid can hit. Bless, um, from what I can tell. Bless, and, bless your heart for doing that. And it's going to be entertaining to watch the Dodgers give up a piece that, you know, will probably be good and that the Orioles will probably misuse and trade to somebody else in two years' time for another Buck Showalter failed playoff run. Yes, now. So I'm excited for that. With that now, now mind you, within the last few hours, it has come out now from, it's been reported by Steve Phillips of the MLB Network. Radio, MLB Network Radio. That it's is been some, picked up now by a lot of teams, by, yeah, uh, by a lot of people, too. There's some kind of snag that is some kind of one of the prospects that the Dodgers are sending is some kind of issue on his medicals. So now there's a little bit of a snag. Now, mind you, I read that. I, I think it's probably still going through. Like, I very rarely do I feel like medicals end up derailing these deals. Maybe the Dodgers throw something else in, but I feel like once the deal gets to this point, like, it, it ends unless the guy has, like, you know, a disease that inflames a disease that inflames his knees after he exercises too much. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that's what like this some, is. I think this is one last attempt like, to like some people have it. an artery oh, no disease doubt. in both of no his doubt. knees. Nice little reference there to Kyrie Irving. No, um, talking Robert Williams. But anyway, anyway, I have a uh, I have a theory on this trade. Why it's not gone through yet. Uh, if you'll permit me just two seconds I, um, sure. to talk about it. I think that this is a last-ditch effort by the Baltimore Orioles to get an outstanding blow-you-away offer from whether it be the Dodgers or another team that desperately wants Manny Machado to get something done in the, in the, you know, the 12 o'clock hour. I think this is a, hey, New York, look, you have a last chance because we don't like this guy's medicals. And I think he'll he'll eventually sign with the Dodgers in about two or three hours. No, and and, and I agree. I mean, I, that's a good theory. Though. I mean, I, I that that's all right, Joe. That that's a decent. It's happened there. in the past. Yes, but yeah, I mean, I think for all intents and purposes, Manny Machado is going to be a Dodger, which I think is the best case scenario for the Red Sox by a oh, mile. No doubt in my mind, that's the best case scenario because if the Orioles are going to get a haul of prospects, they're not going to do anything with them this season or, or in the future or, or in ever. any time that they have an organization. It's not about the but Dodgers becoming better because it's not about the Orioles it keeps becoming better. The Do- it keeps the Yankees from getting better. And for four months. It ha- for four months. But that's until, one playoff run. And until they get another ring, that's until, what matters. Until they get Manny Machado and Bryce Harper. You know, I wouldn't be surprised. And, and then that team can exist. Wouldn't that be something to watch? Oh, it will be. Don't you worry. Anyway, I have... have, uh, have, They could have Machado batting, like, sixth. What would the the batting order for that team be? I think you have Judge in the the sixth hole. That's how how good that team is. That you have Stanton and Judge probably hitting three and... Or four and six. So that you have a lefty in the middle with Bryce Harper at five. Okay. Where do you put put Sanchez? I put Sanchez at seven. Who do you lead off with? Brett Gardner. Okay. God, Brett Gardner, the little engine that could. I know. Brett Gardner will be a Yankee by the time we're dead. I have um, I have a quick question for you, Jake, on this topic. Who do the Yankees go to 
to get the help that they need to become better than the Red Sox at the deadline now that Machado's off the table. Oh, anybody, because I think, I think the help they need is pitching help anyway. Like, I feel like Manny Machado was never a serious thing for them because they just, they just don't need that. He just, like, obviously if you can bring in a player of that caliber, you do it. But, I mean, they go with this, the pitching. They go to one of the 70 AL teams that are out of the running and are just auctioning off all their pitching. Or they go to half of the NL teams that are just auctioning off all their pitching. And I don't have names for you. I don't care. I don't have names for you. But they go wherever they can get pitching and they'll get, they need another starter. Last year they were able to add two. And one of them, Sonny Gray, who's the worst ever. And the other one was, I don't remember, but they added another one. Uh, Gomez? It might have been Gomez. I don't know, but they added another pitcher. So, like, they, and they have all the assets in the world. So, like, they're going to try to add another starter or two. But, yeah, I just think they just go where they can, anywhere they want, really. They, the Yankees kind of control the deadline, I feel like. Especially now that the Dodgers are going to be uh, probably out as, or at least, like, their system's going to be a little more depleted now. The Yankees are pretty much definitely control the deadline, I feel like. Yeah, no doubt. I think the Yankees are probably going to be the biggest players of the deadline. But now that Manny Machado's out of it, I look at the starting pitching market. I don't feel that there's a player out there who's transcendent enough to put the Yankees over the top of the Boston Red Sox ah, well, for see, this division them, race. Well, you see, I already have them over the top of the Boston Red Sox. So, four and a half games, Jake. Four care. and a half out. Yeah. We have a four and a half game cushion. To oh, yeah, no, I, don't, I, mean, I don't care if they win the division or not. Sorry. But... Yeah, so that's an exciting time. So, yeah, you know, the Red Sox got to strike now before the Manny Machado and Bryce Harper train comes to New York and they have, like, the best lineup ever. That, and then the lineup is... The 1927 the Yankees part two? I don't... Yeah, then the lineup would be Gardner, Machado, Stanton... San- Harper, Judge, Sanchez... And whoever they put in the eight and nine spots. Uh, Jacoby Ellsbury still is there somehow, making a ton of money and not playing. Uh, Didi's probably gone at that point. I, I imagine. I imagine Didi Gregorius is gone, and you have Manny Machado playing shortstop. And then, oh, it's Caleb because they have Hicks. They have. Well, I would say you probably don't have Hicks. You probably have two of these young stars that the Yankees have had. Uh, you know on the up-and-coming this season, which they got for the Chapman deal when they dealt him to Chicago two years ago, uh, would probably be the eight and nine hitters in that lineup, which is a scary thought when you can go down the lineup and go Brett Gardner, Manny Machado, Juan Carlos Stanton, uh, Bryce Harper, Aaron Judge, and then Animals, and then Sanchez at seven. That's two a scary through, seven Two hitters. through seven on their lineup makes the all-star team. No, exactly. That's like it'll be the it'll be the Yankees versus the National League. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm. You know what? Let's see it happen. Let's make, let's make it happen. Print print some money out, Steinberg. All right. Thank you, Job. We have been. Thank you, Jake. Have a good day. You too. So we were just doing your Job with Job Gudrid as we do every week or most weeks when I feel like it. And with that, oh, God, am I going to skirt around talking about Gronk drama again? Oh, God, am I? I am. You have been listening to the Stadium Experience with Jake Elmsley on 90.7 WXIN. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week, 4 to 6 p.m., right here, same time, same place. 
Have a happy and safe week. Or don't. Do what you gotta do. And I'll see you. You've been listening to the Stadium Experience with Jake Elmsley and have a wonderful third week of July. <laughs>